Catherine, welcome. We're really pleased to have you join us. Uh, I know this is a subject that's often discussed, but very rarely understood. Uh, you've experienced personally the ups and downs of expatriation and the benefits, of course. Uh, but what actually led you to specialize in this area? Um, well, firstly, thank you for that warm introduction, Andrew. It's really great to be here with you today. Um, in answer to kind of how I got into this whole area of research and also kind of my destiny of my career choice, um, it was very much that uh, about 12 years ago, um, my family and I, we left London and we moved to Frankfurt for our first international transition. And it was quite a difficult transition for all of us. It wasn't smooth in any way. And um, as with everything, given a bit of time, things got easier. We then, after about five years, moved to Belgium and navigated a second international transition. And what was quite interesting about that transition was that whilst it was easier for me because I had already done it once, for our children, they all experienced it in quite different ways. So it started to make me question a little bit about what is the right thing to do? Is expatriation, you know, right for our family? Or should we ultimately just settle in one place? Because one of our children at the time really had a difficult time settling into his new school. So I kind of did a little, if you like, search of the literature, what was out there. And I actually was surprised at just how sort of doomy and gloomy the outlook was. A lot of the literature talked about loss, um, anxiety, grief, all these really quite negative, you know, experiences were coming through. Yeah, sure. So I then thought, you know, well, surely this can't all be it. Um, and it was at a point where I had given up my career in Frankfurt to support my husband's career. Well, you, you were an honest-to-goodness uh, financial services executive, of course. I, I should have mentioned that earlier. You're not coming at this mm -hmm. as an academic, of course. Eh? Not at all, no. Um, and then, of course, moving to Belgium, it meant sort of being, if you like, pulled out of an industry that I was very familiar with. And I'd always had an interest in psychology. And I thought, well, okay, if not now, when? So I decided to embark on a career change, which involved a lot of study, about six, seven years of study of a master's in psychology. And then I ended with a PhD in educational psychology. And really, I suppose the reason why I was drawn to this particular area was because I suppose I had such a personal interest. I really wanted to find out what is the impact of international transition on family well-being. Is it the right thing for my family, ultimately? Yeah. And I wanted them to be able to support other families in making those choices yes. and supporting them navigate international transition. Yeah, indeed. And, you know, if you have, uh, maybe we should think about that a little bit. I mean, your study was necessary in your view because uh, there's actually not so so much coherent material around on this subject. Lots of people write on it, but there doesn't seem to be any uh, approach to this on a continuous basis. Lots of people give good advice, uh, but there's nobody really studied this over a period. I think you brought all these studies together as part of your doctorate, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. So 
Historically, research in this area has tended just to look at the experiences of adult third culture kids. So maybe they're in their 40s, 50s, and they're looking back on their experiences as a child, maybe living in Hong Kong, China, um, Africa, whatever. But what we know is that when we look back on those experiences, they're useful, but we need to get up-to-date information because obviously if you transition to a new country now, your experiences are going to be very different than they were as an adult third culture kid. Um, So really I wanted to, I guess, fill this gap of knowledge by actually undertaking a year-long study in this field because I think Part of the problem about international transition is that it's not really very correctly understood. And a lot of people talk about transition as this one-off event. And Andrew, I know you've experienced multiple transitions. Indeed, only only four or five times. Yes, absolutely. Just only, (laughs) so more than (laughs) me. So you might well have had the question, how was the transition? As if it was a meal in a restaurant and it somehow had an end. And what we know from international transition is that it is an ongoing process. And it's an ongoing process that also requires ongoing support. And my particular research in this area is actually the first study to actually obtain the views of several different families over a period of one year. Ah, right. Yeah, because obviously we look back and, of course, we'll remember all the good times and sometimes some of the hardships. But in that first year, you're really going up and down all the time, aren't you, in terms of what you're experiencing? Definitely. I mean, we as humans, we sort of, if you like, inhabit these different domains, if you can imagine, in our minds. So we have a, a psychological domain, a professional domain, an educational domain for children. So when you embark on an international transition, all of these domains are in a state of flux. There's so many multiple changes going on. Yeah, there's lots of lots of practical stuff very often. Uh, some moves are easier than other practically, but they create an immense amount of stress. Uh, I think we we definitely were not prepared uh, for those stresses. I think we've just said, well, you're going to go, and we said, well, that's exciting. We may even have gone to that location, wherever it was, whether it's France or in the US or Switzerland, uh, exp- you know, just gone to for look-see, but that's about all the preparation we had. I think you're making the point, I think, in your study that early preparation is really quite critical from a family perspective. How do you, how do you phrase that? Well, uh, you're completely right. I think in terms of guidance for families, one of the, the top things to take away from, I guess, our conversation is early preparation is key. Now, that's not to say... If you prepare early, you're not going to encounter difficulties. But what the research has actually shown is that early preparation can help to ease anxiety and the worry about the unknown. So as parents, it's really critical that you prepare your children early on. You have those open conversations, whether that's in the car, around the dinner table, just get talking and prepare as early as possible for the meeting. So you you make a point about a familiar home environment, that you have those discussions up front, prepare the children. And of course, prepare 
your spouse uh, uh, with that early preparation. And there's also this whole aspect of, you know, well, you can have a, a quick uh, day visit or actually some people are pretty generous to come for the weekend and yeah. take a look. And uh, actually, we have somebody going uh, to uh, Indonesia right now doing right. exactly that. But so what about what about um, the preparation and familiarization aspect of mm. all of this? How does that work? So what really is key is to familiarize a to familiarize yourself as early yes. as possible in the new environment. And this doesn't just mean, as you as you mentioned, about this family going to Indonesia for a weekend. Yes. If possible, try to schedule a couple of visits to the new country, the new place you're going to be living, and of course to the school as well. Um, that really is crucial because what we see more, more and more is that the lack of familiarization is causing a huge amount of anxiety for expat children, just not knowing maybe what the physical structure of the school looks like, just yes. the fact that they haven't even met their teacher, let's say Miss Tracy, all these basic things yes. that we take for granted maybe as adults are so important for children. Yes. So early familiarization is key and not just thinking, okay, one induction day is going to be enough. It's actually not going to be enough. Right. If you can, where possible, get your kids in maybe in the last week of the school year, you know, when they're playing a bit more and it's not so sort of academically focused because then they've just got, you know, that sense of knowing where things are, who people, who who the peers are, who the teachers are, that really will help alleviate some of that unnecessary stress. Yes, yeah. I, 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 you're suggesting that maybe the the kids go to the school they're going to be at. Definitely. It's wonderful, mate, to at least make some acquaintances, if not friends, up in advance. I recall uh, in our case, one of our children uh, did a day okay. uh, exactly the same way. And uh, as a consequence, what I found was the school school shut down after that for the summer break. Uh, and we were due to move in at the end of August, September. But during that period, we were absolutely astonished to see that there were constant social uh, media exchanges with the kids that she had met in those classes. And by the time she arrived, she knew the kids. And that was all because they took a day of familiarization. So the that investment was incredibly worthwhile. Mm -hmm. And of course, that, you know, if your children are happy by definition, you're only as happy as your least happy child, right? Exactly. So, you know, that's an enormous pressure taken off the children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's right. That's a very good point. No, that's really, really, I would say yeah. one critical point to take away is to familiarize your children as early as possible. Yeah. I, I was going to come back on one other point, uh, just coming back to the amount of preparation, kind of the induction day and mm -hmm. talking to people before you leave. Of course, it's nice to talk to people who've been resident in those countries. Very often, uh, in my experience, the induction is done by somebody rather well-meaning, you know, perhaps somebody from HR who who uh, has got all the process in place and really un understands what the processes are, but may not have actually lived in the country that you're going to, probably not. Mm. Uh, so, you know, one of the things that uh, we did in in my real life before becoming a consultant 
was that we would actually bring in people that had lived there, had expatriate to those countries, and were now no longer there, could brief us a little bit, talk about how life really was in the country we were about to go to. And that was incredibly helpful, but just reinforces your point, I think, about really strong early preparation. It's not a house hunting visit. You know, you need to take the time and all of those things. House hunting is important, of course, right? Those kind of support. Yeah. Of course, yeah. yeah. And just going back to what you mentioned about um, HR, what really I think um, HR professionals can do or what they probably do need is some form of formal transition training. Because as you yes. said, Andrew, a lot of the time you've got some HR members of staff that maybe have not experienced international transition, maybe they have on their own, but they haven't in combination with other family members, which we know is much more complex Yes, bringing children along with you. Yeah. So some form of formal transition training for HR teams is yes. really important. I, I'm assuming that's something you would do, actually. You have a uh, you have developed some programs as a consultant yes, for that. That's right. And then sort of on top of that, as well as the formal transition training, is just, I think, corporates and employers need to develop uh, a shared understanding really of what international transition is and that it is this, you know, ongoing process of adaptation. It's not yes. a one-off event. Yeah. Um, that, that really can go a long way just to have that understanding. Yeah. In terms of... Um... You know, we've spent a bit of time talking about children, but of course, parents have quite a quite a struggle sometimes too because the roles change, don't they? Particularly, you know, as you've done, you you stopped your career, yes. and you you there you are, and you've now you know obviously taken up a fresh career, but there's this parental role stuff that really often doesn't get discussed. How do you feel about that? I think that that is really crucial is to have, you know, the partners to have actually a discussion, a pre-discussion of the parental role. So that's as early as possible. So that's definitely way before you're signing any contract and agreeing to move. Yes. I think that you really need to have this open conversation about who's going to do what when you move. So if you both decide you're going to work, fine, great. How's it going to work in practice? Who's going to then pick up the kids? What other support are you going to get in place? But also I think it just needs to be clear and agreed and upfront in advance who does what. Um, Just from my own experience and also from the findings of my research, um, a lot of parents did feel, I guess, a loss of identity because they moved and suddenly their professional role had evaporated overnight. So that obviously then triggered for them psychological transitions of feeling unhappy because they didn't have this identity. They didn't feel anymore, you know, I am a an NHS worker or something. So you tend to associate yourself with your profession, of course. Yeah, of course. And then if you lose your profession, it can mean obviously losing your your social network because a lot of your friends are your colleagues and and who you meet on a daily basis. So I think, you know, it's paramount to have those discussions up front about who's going to do what. And I think, you know, companies can do a lot here as well to support the spouse um, if they want to work. I mean, not everybody moves and actually has that 
internal requirement that they yeah. want to work or continue with their career. But if yeah. they do, then I really would recommend that employers support spouses with maybe updating or helping with the CV or exploring work opportunities, or it could even be voluntary opportunities. Yes. What is so important is that having a sense of role is yes. really yeah. needed for all of us. And sometimes just being a stay-at-home mum is just not going to be... Or a house really. husband, for that matter. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah. Really good point to make. Yeah, very good. And companies, you know, some companies are quite good actually saying, well, actually, we'll help you. You know, Mm -hmm. we know uh, local agencies or even in our business, we may have a role for you to do something else. Some companies are good at that, but others completely disregard it and say, well, it's over Mm -hmm. to you. It's up to you. It's your move. You decide. And that's really not very helpful. Because the whole point we're making here, I think, Catherine, is that the easier the transition the less stress there is on transition, the better that particular employee will perform. And that's really often forgotten in this whole equation. Uh, You know, if your private life and your personal life and your kids are happy, you're going to do so much better in your job, right? Definitely. So it's actually quite a short-sighted approach to think, okay, well, you know, I've offered the the expat a good contract. They found a nice house and so forth. Really make transitions successful and obviously we all want the transition to be successful indeed a spouse needs to be supported and obviously we need to ensure that the transition into the new school is also successful indeed yeah and so when i'm looking at you know if you look back on that study that you did kind of 12 months on Mm. A lot of the initial pain has gone. You know how to get the gas fitter in and, you know, how to get all that stuff done. Uh, hopefully, after about a year, if you manage to get the gas person in within a year, that'll be really good. Uh, but in any case, you know, all that initial stuff's done. Mm. How do you see the benefits working out if you're looking longer term? Both from a, of course, professional point of view, it's pretty clear. It sets you up for other roles. That experience is so essential, particularly if you're going into general management where you're managing a large company but also from a family point of view there's some really strong benefits uh, once these initial difficulties are dealt with how do you see that well I think um, what emerges once you've sort of gone through that first initial challenging year where there are lots of ups and downs is that really after about a year um, I know this from my own experience. I'm not sure how it was for you, Andrew, but also from my year-long research, what really came through was that families actually were much more resilient. A um, lot of them talked about becoming closer, a much yes. cohesive family unit. And what was really, I guess, quite welcoming was that so many talked about maybe exploring other international opportunities. Um, even children themselves who were sort of adamant at the beginning, no, I'm returning, I'm going back home after two years. Yes. They then, of course, obtain these the wealth of experience and being in a multicultural environment and then start talking about, oh, actually, you know, I might go to the U.S., which yes. was an absolute turnaround. So I yeah. think that the positive or the positives we can take from from all of this is that transition can be very successful and it can lead to a lot of growth and family, you know, unity, cohesity and, and so forth. 
Yes. And I mean, you're doing a fine job in counseling individuals, of course, and families. Uh, and I'm assuming that companies initiate that process. Mm-hmm. And you're there also then, of course, to help set some of these up and get that greater sensitivity within companies. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what your current work is about, I understand. Uh, Catherine, I think we're coming to the end of our discussion because I think we've covered some really terrific points. And I and I do hope that who uh that uh the right people in companies are listening and that expatriates take heart, uh, particularly if they're going through some difficult uh, difficulties, that help is available and that there is a bright side to it at the end of the day, which is beneficial from a professional and a family point of view, too. Uh, I really appreciate your candid views as well. Uh, Catherine, it's been a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, I know all of our clients and executives will be stimulated through this conversation. Uh, what's the best way to contact you? Is that through your website? That's through my website. Yeah. That's drcoiny.com. I think Coiny is K-O-I-N-I, right? That is, I know. It's a bit of a uh, difficult word. but There's uh, no problem. Dr. Coiny. <laughs> we'll remember that. And uh, Well, thank you very much, Catherine. Thank you to our audience, too, for joining us. And we'll see you next month for another session of Baldus Executive Live. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew.